Hello, everyone. Today, I'm honored to host a soul who has touched lives across the globe through her gift of yoga and the power of storytelling, Catherine Buddig. Catherine is an internationally known yoga teacher, author, and a remarkable innovator, known among many things for her latest endeavor, The House of Phoenix an online sanctuary that mirrors her zest for life and her boundless creativity. The last time I saw Catherine was at our teacher's Mati Israri's memorial service. The memorial happened at Mati's home studio and our home studio in Santa Monica, California. So many significant memories happened at this yoga studio, located on the second floor of Montana Avenue. At this location is where I first met Catherine a little over 20 years ago. This period of time was quite formational in my life. Needless to say, Mati's memorial was heart-filled. Many yoga friends gathered, Indian food was served, and stories were shared as we honored Mati's life. That evening, I gave Catherine a big hug. We both had teary eyes. Words were not necessary. In full circle today, I welcome this beautiful and talented Yogini Fabulous on Life on Earth podcast. This show is brought to you by Shanti Yoga Training School, serving our yoga community for over a decade, offering 200-hour, 300-hour yoga training certifications, as well as meditation and yoga nidra. Our programs are available both online, in person, and on hybrid formats. For more info, go to shantiyogatrainingschool.com. Check out our show notes for all links mentioned in this episode. Without further ado, let's welcome the remarkable Catherine Budig and venture together into an exploration of a life well-lived through the lenses of yoga, creativity, and communal connections. Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality, one earthling at a time. All right. Well, Catherine Budig, thank you so much for being here on Life on Earth podcast. I'm so excited to see you that before I even hit recording, I was just going to start talking to you and forget to record. (laughs) We went straight into chatting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you look amazing. I haven't seen you in years, and but I used to see you all the time. So it's like, you know, we we have a past life together. Yes, we you do. And I want to get into all of that because I feel that that little period there, you know, was so significant in my life. And I'm just would love to, I have so many things I want to touch with you. I got, I prepared some before this interview and I listened to some of your podcasts and I was like, wow, this is really cool what she's saying. And I wanted to go back to those too. So first of all, how are you doing? I'm good. I life is really, really good. I am currently nursing a shoulder issue, and I haven't had one of those injuries that has kept me 
from my normal practice in a while. Speaking of the old days of being really yes. athletic, I'm not even positive exactly what it is. I think it's something rotator wise. So I'm really diving into my true practice right now. And I'm focusing on what is working instead of sitting in my little cave of mm. self pity, which is very cozy and easy to slip into. For sure. Class earlier this morning, which was a, an arm free flow. And oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And it's a nice reminder. I feel like whenever this happens and you speak out loud about it, everyone's like, oh my gosh, me too. I heard this or this, or, you know, everyone is sharing their experience and what their, their internal struggles. And it's just a good reminder as a teacher to constantly create modifications and variations on what everyone knows and loves and just to step outside of the norm. So that's kind of... Yeah, it's funny that you just brought this up because me too. And I have had this left hand injury and it's been so freaking humbling for me. It's been like something that I've looked at it emotionally too, because I told you I just got back from practicing with Sean Korn. I was in LA and, you know, I love my practice and I'm like, I'm so excited to get on my mat. And yet I'm having to wear, you know, I'm having to wear like a cast on my left hand and I can't spread my fingers. So like down dog has been difficult, all these things. So mm-hmm. I love what you said, because me too, I've been going into this. Sometimes I get into this really kind of depressive mode, like, oh, why is this going on with me? I want what and, I want. You know, I want what I want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? It's been lasting over two months now. I'm really ups- upset, you know, and I went to the doctor already, got an MRI, did all the things. And so, but it's, I love that you said, I think it's such an important message. Focus on what you can do. Yeah. And then I love, a like you taught a hand-free flow class. That's it's like so that, inspiring. That's what's in the cards for that. me right now. So, and you know what? It felt great. It felt great. And it's just getting over my own ego, yeah. getting over my exactly my idea of how things should be. So let's start with this question. What is your advice for someone who's going through an injury and it's like a practitioner, a teacher, just like a bit tidbit of advice, how, how to handle that, how to navigate your practice while you're sort of healing, even if it takes months or even a year. Well, especially if it's a new injury, if someone's new to this idea of injury, as someone who's been doing yoga for a very long time, it happens like anyone who is athletic with their body, you will get injured. Hopefully mm-hmm. because you've been athletic, you'll rebound faster, but you know, I'm 41 now and I definitely don't rebound like I did when I was 25 to stuff. And I think we just, it's very common for people to feel the need to get back. I think there's this deep kind of demonic voice inside of us that whispers like, this is the beginning of the end, right? Like you have this injury and you're never going to get it back and you're never going to be able to do what you used to do. Mm-hmm. And that fear takes over, which yeah. I think only amplifies the existence of the injury. And I'm not saying like, don't let it bother you. Of course, it's going to bother you. You can't pretend to not have the feelings that you have. However, if you let your ego take the wheel, you are going to deepen the injury if you don't give it the proper amount of time to heal. And I have done that many, many times where I've tried to get back on the mat. And even I'll be like, I'm just going to try doing a couple of vinyasas. And (laughs) That's all it takes to flare something that's trying to heal. So, so true. Advice is ex- what I said. Focus on what's working. What mm-hmm. is working? What 
feels good in your body. I love to be on my hands. I love downward facing dog. I love being upside down. I love all those things. However, I love standing poses and, Mm -hmm. and it's an invitation to revisit a part of my practice that perhaps I wasn't giving as much attention to. So it's for teachers, it's an invitation to be more creative, to be more inclusive with your teaching. I oddly love being in pain because it reminds me of the privilege of not being in pain and Mm -hmm. of all the students who have regular pain or disabilities or hindrances in their practice and understanding what that truly feels like. Because, you know, I've been to to classes where teachers are hyper-flexible, for example, and they'll start the class in Hanumanasana splits or something crazy. (laughs) And I'm just like, that's good for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I would like 45 minutes to warm up for that. Um, Oh, for sure. It... Maybe it swells your muscles, but it swells your mind too, if you allow mm-hmm. it. And it, it just creates opportunity where if you're short-sighted, you feel like it's holding you back. Yes. Thank you for that. So I'm going to bring us back for the listeners to how I first met you. And so I used to work for a studio called Yoga Works and Catherine worked for a studio called Yoga Works too. And back in the day, this was many, many years ago, there were multiple locations in in California, and we were talking about Los Angeles, that we both lived. So for a little time, well, I used to bounce back between Main Street and Montana, and then a a few, a couple of others, but my main one was Montana, and that's kind of where I have my main memories with Catherine, Miss Catherine Budding. (laughs) And... (laughs) I think the first time I met you, I was introduced to you in the parking lot and you were sitting down talking to Jesse Shine. Oh, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> and and then and then, you know, it was weird. Like cause how old were you back then? Like when you were I think I was twenty one. Twenty one, yeah. Came to Los Angeles to Yoga Works. That's yeah. right. And I'm like, I was like twenty-three to I was like twenty-four, twenty-three, and because I'm a little older than you. So when I you know, and then I, and then because I had met Mati and I was going to the afternoon sessions and then somehow they knew about my Ashtanga background because I had been doing Ashtanga in New Orleans and had gone to India. And then they told me to before I started teaching Ashtanga there, the Mysore style that I had to go apprentice. So for a moment, you and I, I was apprenticing in a room and I was trying to think who it was. It might have been Jesse. I don't know if it was Jesse or like we were Heather. both. Joel, I'm trying to remember we, everyone was there. You yeah. were like up, like we were both in the Mysore style room, mm-hmm. and then we were like, this was like way wide, right at the beginning. And I remember, you know, we were just being taught how to do the adjustments and like kind of shadow, you know, Mysore style. But you were there too. It was like, and then that was that was a memory that I have. I was thinking, and then also you had that class in Montana for a while, and I love to go to your class. Yeah. It was when you looked at it at the right studio. <laughs> Yes, gosh, I can't wait longer there. It makes me so I know. sad. I know, me too. And then there was all the parties that I've gone and shared with you. And we had this other part that was really fun and this beautiful community and, you know, mutual friends. And so it was a really fun time. I would love to ask you, now that we've kind of went back, how did you, before we go into your time at Yoga Works, I would love to ask you some questions about that. How did you start yoga? How did yoga come into your life? I I found it in college, actually. I was 
at school at the University of Virginia, and I was focusing, I was getting a degree in English literature <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and drama. And so I was always, I'd always been athletic ever since I was a little kid, the term tomboy, which isn't my favorite term, but that's definitely how I grew up. And I kind of like accidentally found yoga through a dance friend who was doing musical theater with me. And she came back from a a ballet program that she did in New York over the summer. And they introduced yoga into the concept of ballet as well. So she came back being like, oh my God, yoga, we have to do it. And at that point, this was when yoga was, I feel like it was starting to kind of be a thing in Hollywood. Like Helen Hunt would do yoga. I don't know, you know, whoever the hot actors were at the Mm -hmm. time. And so I would read magazines and they're like, oh, I, I eat whatever I want and I do yoga. And you're like, <laughs> okay, whatever. So I I, I guess funny. I kind of thought it was a joke, but she came back so passionate about it. And she found this class in downtown Charlottesville led by Jennifer Elliott. And she was a senior Ashtanga teacher. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it was Ashtanga. I didn't know what Ashtanga was. I didn't know what series were, nothing, nada. I just... <laughs> fell in love with her. I just, she had long gray braids and just this gorgeous eloquence about her. And I started going once a week and it just became one of the highlights of my week was to go move my body like that. I remember doing, oh my gosh, I remember doing sun salutations, feeling like I was going to die. Literally (laughs) that I was going to die. And I remember thinking, how many more of these do we that's funny because even doing the push-up the chaturanga at that point I wasn't used to that repetition and moving my body like that so I remember just feeling so fatigued yeah and eventually saved enough money to go twice a week and yeah I graduated college I had decided to move to Los Angeles to pursue a theatrical career and thought you know what I really like yoga maybe I'll learn how to teach this and that can hopefully pay my bills until I mega big in Hollywood um, <laughs> and very quickly realized Hollywood was not for me, but yoga was. Yeah. And then, so then you did what you started at yoga works or did you do a training for your first training? My there? first training was with Chuck yeah. Miller and Matias Radi. It was the last 200 hour wow. training they did there. That's, I, that's amazing. I know. Wow. I had no idea. I had no idea how lucky I was. And I, I I just talked to Jennifer, my my teacher in Charlottesville, and I told her I was going to Los Angeles. She's like, you have to go to Yoga Works and you have to train with Monty. And I was like, well, okay, <laughs> you know, I didn't know. It's mm-hmm. she was basically like, go to Mount Olympus and and go. Yeah, to and yeah, no, that's and, yeah. in a way, it's like so lucky and so serendipity because yeah. you were like a baby, and then just to fall into you oh, know age wise and to fall yes. into that and then uh have this teacher who I mean in my humble opinion she's just so she was so phenomenal and I mean I I, Chuck too but I've spent more time with Mati and it's like Mm -hmm. she really meant so much to so many people and for me and for those who are listening who don't know Mati is Roddy who we're talking about what can you say she's one of your main teachers right she is yes yeah so what can you say about her as your teacher like what can you share with the listeners about Mati Mati was a force of nature she at a very petite height of maybe she was 411 she's this tiny Israeli woman with long black braids which seems to be a theme for yoga teachers for me <laughs> this itty bitty frame with this booming voice 
that would come out of her. And she at first was so intimidating because she just commands the room. The second she walks in, all eyes on Mati, you follow her, you know, that's the boss. But she's like this ooey gooey, slightly undercooked cookie. You know what I mean? At the inside. And she just, we were, we were her children. Like that room Mm -hmm. was her family. And makes me emotional. (laughs) I know. And, you know, I know that some people are listening and might not know. So also they were the founders of Yoga Works where we're talking about. And also Mati uh, very unfortunately passed at a very young age. And I think I do think it's important for those of and I think we are in some way, many of us doing that, carrying on her message and her just just kind of the way she taught the yoga and that combination of Ashtanga and Iyengar and just it's just so So amazing and just bringing yoga to the people and I think that in many ways but I do think it's also important for us to start to keep talking about her and sharing and you know I'm still doing yoga trainings and so I share with my students a lot about Mati's story and I show them videos and it, it's just so it was so revolutionary and it still is you know like sometimes I'll I'll show a video or whatever and and they're like wow this is such great information even now in 2023 you know <laughs> were unbelievable and I feel oh like she's truly one of the first people to make Ashtanga accessible historically yeah. inaccessible practice accessible with the use of props and knowledge exactly. of alignment and modifications and yeah and just yeah. verbiage was just chef's kiss, you know? I mean, she really exactly. knew how to get And the it. presence mm-hmm. and all of that. And, you know, nowadays it's with yoga, there's so much, you, the blocks and sun salutations and take the blocks and this and then alignment cues. But the time we're talking, that was somewhat separate. Like there was this Iyengar camp that were very much the blocks and the pro and then there was this ashtanga that sometimes the news didn't go into alignment cues so i feel like she was i don't know if probably one of the fir- first people to sort of blend that i don't know you know, that I know not, of, yes. yeah that i know of like but really for sure one of the people who made that kind of thing theme very popular and i think that has really played a role into how yoga is now in the right. world it's you know, crazy with, that more people know her because she has. I know. Influenced, it's, I mean, the majority of great teachers alive right now were influenced or taught by her. And it's just. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's a shame that she didn't get more of the spotlight. However, I feel like it. It kind of suited her, you know, like. Yeah. She, she wasn't there for the sparkle and the fame. Right. She was there to teach. And she did. Yeah. She did a job. And so do you, you know, like, and that's the beauty you like, she lives in, in teachers and she lives yes. in you, Catherine. And you, you know, every time I, I am in your class where I've done an online class with you, it's like, ah, oh, it's so refreshing. I can feel that me coming home and just the way you teach and the way you instruct and, you know, and it is a flow class. And I, I'm sure you're probably teaching other stuff now. What was just said hands-free flow today or all kinds of stuff, but just the precision too, and the alignment and to work with the props. And also you're very creative. You are very creative with your sequences too, within the conscious of still keeping it that safe and really great sequences, which is one of the things I think I also trained at Yoga Works. And I think Yoga Works had this thing that really trained some really incredible teachers that I know of, like, 
just the method is it really works. Like that's the thing. It really works. Like I know, I know it really works. So then now, so then you had that experience there. Then you got out, you started teaching. I remember you have that class there. And then what happens? You just started traveling. When did you move? Like what was the progression of that? Yeah, I, I taught at Yoga Works for eight years. I lived in Los Angeles for eight years, taught there for eight years. And during that period, I started traveling on top of teaching in Los Angeles. And that's when I joined the travel circuit. So weekend workshops and conferences and um, festivals and all of that. It, it's definitely not as popular now as it was then, but that was kind of like the prime thing doing all of that. And it was amazing. And you could, and you, you, it was amazing for Spotlight also to meet people also to the financially, it made sense, right? It, people could, I was so could do well. Oh my God. Yeah. I was so blessed. It, it was financially incredibly helpful because I mean, it, it fed itself, right? It's because I will go out into the world and meet all these people and, and then they would follow me online and take classes there. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's just all feeds into each other. The cycle of being out in front of the crowd yeah. and in the same way that musicians tour, right. It's not right. put out your album. You need to then go tour and be in front of the people. And, and for that lifestyle, you were younger too. Like you were doing this in, in your twenties. Yes. It's your age. I'm in my forties now. And I do not travel anymore. Yeah. Um, Cause I was going to say that's like taxing, right? Like so much, oh, how much, how, oh. how like, were you gone every month? Like I traveled for a decade and I, I mean, there were months where I was traveling every single weekend. Mm-hmm. And at least two weekends out of every month. I wow, be- that's yeah, impressive. I mean, it's, and yeah, I don't recommend it. <laughs> but I was single and young, and it was the time to do it. And it was amazing yeah. because I got to see the world. And yeah, through meeting people like people local to these places who actually showed me the culture and meeting the students and. So I'm very grateful for that experience. I do not miss that because I'm just, I'm such a homebody now. For Uh, sure. I totally get it. And and yet I have a yoga school now. So I'm, I go, I am like you and however, I still have, I have to travel. So I just took off the summer, which was fantastic. And I really enjoyed to be home. And then now I start traveling twice a month with the trainings. And so I have a question for you. What? do you feel and for anyone that's listening that is on some kind of traveling even if you're not a yoga teacher you know what kept what can you do to keep you grounded in between all that did you have some secrets that you would bring with you or do in the morning at night absolutely I there I was very lucky to have great healers in my life as well. Dr. Debbie Kim who's still in Los Angeles she's an amazing Chinese herbalist and acupuncturist And she had me on this great setup of herbs and supplements that I was very strict about taking when I would travel. Just anything to, because, you know, if you travel, one of the major things is your digestion is just, it's a train wreck. It totally messes that up. So just making sure that I had supplements, so much hydration, an insane amount of water when you travel. Like the rule is on a flight that you need to drink at least one cup of water per hour that you're on a flight, which is why I always sit on the aisle. So I have access to go to the bathroom so I can pee. So hydration was huge. I loved traveling with essential oils because they smell Mm -hmm. like healing to me. They're very amazing. 
But like peppermint, always, always bring peppermint with me, digestive oils, a serenity kind of sleepy blend for nighttime that I would put into the soles of my feet and, Mm. you know, just on my wrists and neck. That was also a nice thing that was very grounding and trying to strike that balance of like, I'm a foodie. I love to eat. I love to drink. Love that about you. But I would try to limit that to a certain Mm -hmm. extent on these weekends because Restaurants are amazing, but notoriously, you're not going to feel so great the next day. So just trying to limit my alcohol intake on trips like that and be a little more conscious of the food consumption simply because I would have to be in front of people and be performing. So thinking about like, what are the foods that I eat that make me feel good? And sometimes I would bring little bars with me to keep in my purse just like things that I know, like this fuels me up and I digest it well and it feels good. Just little safety things. Yeah. And sleep too, I'm assuming. Oh my gosh. I'm a sleep gobbler. Yeah. Um, I I actually used to travel with a, like a little tiny diffuser Uh on my bag. So I could put essential oils in that next to my bed. And then I had another humidifier because I would travel to a lot of places at altitude and you would just put a little plastic bottle on it and and I would have that in the room too. That was amazing. Always travel with lodges because you're talking a lot. You're teaching all day long. So just making sure you're loading your throat and that that's being taken care of. Yeah. I mean, in a way that's like requires a lot of discipline to to really have to be. It takes work. Yeah. To be. And, you know, I love this side. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. What are you going to travel? I also travel with either a little foam roller, like a travel size one or a myofascial ball and pain patches. And I always travel with pain patches, like little adhesive um, uh-huh. herbs, because I would tweak all the time. You know, I would adjust some or something like your travel, you sleep wrong or yeah. you your bag out from overhead and it's too heavy. So just like being able to get in there and treat anything immediately and have ways to like calm my muscles down that like always never leave home without it. Even if you feel okay. good, when you, eat, you just don't know. You just don't know. <laughs> I love that. So I want to touch upon what you said about you being a foodie. I love that about you. (laughs) I mean, I I know. And the thing is, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm half Brazilian, half French. So my dad was actually uh, a chef and, and my grandfather too. And so like, I come from this background of really good food like fine dining cuisine and I just absolutely love going to a really nice restaurant and just having a great cocktail and just having really good food and I love that you're so open about that because sometimes especially when we're in the world that we are which is a it's a good thing right be healthy and all of that I'm not saying anything bad about it but I love that balance of like if you are someone like that not if you are not great do what you do you but you know if you do have joy with some of those things and eating and food why restrict like why pull back why not allow to because you have to fit yourself into a mold oh I'm a yogi or I'm a yoga teacher or, I don't know. I love, I also don't like to be labeled as things. And I, when I look at you, I feel like you've always liked to be, do your own thing, be outside the box. So how do you, what's like your relationship with that, the yoga and the food and, and also like with your platform, how you, you feel like it's okay to talk about that, you know? Yeah, I will part of House of Phoenix, my online platform that I run, we have something called Hungry Phoenix and once a month. Which is what you're doing now, just 
Yes. We that work is in the like Taco Bell. That's where you, I teach and people can find me. And so Hungry Phoenix is once a month, I film and write a recipe for everyone. And it's like a cute little cooking video that goes along with the PDF of the recipe. And the, the only, I, everything's vegetarian. That's the only thing. I'm vegetarian, so I don't cook with meat, but I'm not vegan. I try to be conscious of giving notes to make things vegan should people mm -hmm. want to veganize something. But I mean, I went through phases where, you know, I didn't eat gluten. I didn't eat grains. I didn't have dairy. I, you know, I did it all. I had done it all. And do I know that dairy can inflame my system? Sure. Of course. Like I know that if I mm -hmm. eat a ton of certain things, I may not react well. However, I just, I think they, they call it intuitive eating is what people mm -hmm. are calling it now. Mm -hmm. And I just listen to what my body wants. And that could be dessert. I want dessert. And does that mm -hmm. qualify as something that is going to fuel my body, make me feel better? No. However, what I don't think people are taking into accordance is like, how does it make you feel emotionally? In the mm -hmm. same way that having a gorgeous cocktail or a beautiful wine, yeah. like, sure, is alcohol good for you? No, of course not. But what about the the social experience? What about like sharing a bottle of wine with someone that you love or like having love that cocktail with an amazing bartender and, and then you have this great conversation with them? Like, what about the circumstance that is built around these things? Exactly. And I don't think people talk about that as much. And that is like, I've thought about opening a restaurant before I love it so much. And then as yeah. you Oh, it is woo, respect. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> I know, but somehow I could see you doing that, which is like funny. Like I could see you doing so I many different things, but you could I totally love the world. like if you had like implemented a team or something. Yeah, yes. If I could like totally make everyone else yeah. all the stressful components. Like I just finished season two of the bear. I know, but I just, I've always had a lot of, especially post LA. I think I was just trying to figure out who I was and now I'm very like I feel very free with my food and I, I I live in South Carolina in Charleston and there's a lot of like southern perfect women and which is code for there's a lot of women starving themselves here to look beautiful and be perfect and to fit a norm and it breaks my heart I just uh, and I think falling in love with a woman and I'm married to my amazing wife like just even embracing my queerness, like really changed my relationship to my body when I was no longer trying to dress and be for the male gaze. It, mm -hmm. it totally changed things for me. And I could let go of this idea of kind of like bullshit societal perfection and, and what a woman should look like and mm -hmm. just embrace the body that I have and eat the things that I want to eat and take good care of myself, but enjoy life at the same time. and. I got to say, it's, it's a pretty sweet balance. It's, Isn't you know, that I, awesome? still, I still have like total moments of like body neuroses and yeah. and all that, like that'll happen for the rest of my life, but I'm way better at just kind of squashing it before it turns into something huge. Well, and I, I just love hearing you talk about it in, for you to be sharing this message because it's so important, you know, it's so important for all of us women, and as we are here on this earth, we're lucky enough to age, to continue yes. living, to grow old. I mean, it's just part of life. Things are going to change. And there's so much expectation. I'm in my 40s, too, and so much expectation to look a certain way, to be, you know, super body skinny or this and that. And then 
you know, especially even in the yoga world, even in the yoga world, which is a spiritual world and it's a balanced world, but everything has to be tight and the body perfect and this and that. And it's like, it can be so much pressure. I mentor a lot of young teachers, you know, yoga teachers and students. And I see that what you just spoke about, the body perfection and the starving itself. Mm-hmm. And no, no pointing fingers, but like, I just love what, what you, Catherine, are sharing that like, that there are ways to approach that to not make that something that's going to really affect your life, not in a positive way, because it's just not positive. It's just if you can be more comfortable in your body and just part of food is also joy. It's also self-love. There's you know? such joy. I mean, it's life that is, if you took food away from me, I'd be like, well, I mean, obviously I would die because I need to eat. <laughs> I mean, that is dinner is the highlight of my day. Every I'm day. just going to put you on a like brown rice and tofu diet for the rest of your life. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> you know, can I have some chili crunch with it? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So I have a couple more yoga questions. I want to shift into these other things that you're doing, the books and stuff and the cooking and and the part and your wife, uh, which is awesome. I'm so happy for you. Just just when I look at the photos, you know, I I feel like I read energy and it's just shines through the connection of you and Kate, right? Yeah. So a couple more yoga questions, because I think this is going to be something that my I wrote down to ask you that just for my community, I love, I heard you talking about instructor versus like a yoga instructor versus a yoga teacher. Mm. And, and that you prefer to be that you, you know, that you are a teacher and not an instructor. And I resonate with that so much. Now, the cool thing was that for me, when I heard that, I never really could put my finger on why, when I was like called an instructor, it always like just went like ah with me but I didn't really know exactly I wasn't like finding words to express why but when I heard you explain the difference I was like oh for sure because I always would say to no I'm a yoga teacher and then but I never explained why so I love when you kind of make that distinction why 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 what is the distinction for you in your perspective it's huge but I also believe in the power of words which is right I'm a writer as well it's Instruction is very clinical, very technical. Anyone can instruct, right? I mean, you can teach mm-hmm. anyone to instruct. Like, I, I would say, I don't know, I'm not going to put a percentage on it, but like most people could instruct us on salutation if given the proper amount of time to memorize the cues. They could just memorize it and instruct it. However, to be a teacher, there has to be a wisdom, there has to be a collection of time and hours and dedication to your craft so that you are offering the teachings, the lineage, the importance of yoga and not the aerobics of it, not the athletic component of it. And while obviously in the West, we hyper fixate on the physical aspect of yoga and that's what gets most people through the door anyone who's done yoga long enough, like they show up for the sweat maybe in the beginning and then they become transformed when they actually lean into the teachings. And those teachings can only be transferred through teachers, not instructors. You know, instructors are like what, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being an instructor. If you're a fitness instructor and you work at the gym, that's great, but it's 
it's it's not what I do. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. It is. And the teachings, there's so much more than just the sequence that you're offering. There are the in-betweens. There are the word choices that you make. There is the presence, which is the transmission that you you speak about. Exactly. How you hold space for your students. And, And oftentimes, at least in my life, the really amazing teachers I've had, even someone like Mati and Annie Carpenter, who's been my teacher for a while. And like they have ignited something in me that that invited me into a path of transformation that I sometimes didn't even know what was on the other side, but I knew that I was curious enough with inquiry enough to go there inspired by my teachers. Right. And an instructor can't, in my experiences, that's not that kind of role. Again, not to say something, I go to the gym too, and I love that and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's it's a different kind of thing Yoga, so much of yoga is a journey of self-inquiry mm. and someone who can actually hold space for you and, and do that. So thank you for, for saying that. And of thank course. you for pointing that out, because I do think that it's very inspiring to hear you talk about it. And I think that for people who are now, you know, doing teacher trainings and, and younger teachers and there's the social media and all that. It's good to hear these things for someone who's like you, who's been doing it for so long and to point some of the lights and the difference. And so what? how do you feel that yoga has kind of changed from back then? And I know mm-hmm. that yoga is always going to be here, right? I mean, we're really the ones who, yoga is just yoga. Yoga is like, I've got this. You guys figure <laughs> yeah. it out. like you're gonna be long gone I'll be here forever yeah exactly (laughs) exactly but how do you feel like in some ways have you noticed some changes and you know you have so many different things going on you have the house of phoenix which I want to get into but you and you and you still have the yoga you're still teaching and you're still so you know you're like you do the cooking and the writing and all that and you're still you still very much have yoga in your life so how do you feel when you look at communities, how it has it changed like nowadays? Because um, I guess I should just say this too. I've, I've noticed like so much more of like the, I don't remember all the fixation with the Instagrams or the, um, all that way back. Now it's like kind of things have shifted so much. So much has shifted, you know, because I feel like when we got into yoga, there wasn't, the only celebrity that existed when we started was locally, right? Like there would be popular teachers at studios like Vinnie Marino. Vinnie Marino mm-hmm. was a local celebrity and, but you knew him if you did yoga at yoga works, yeah. you know, it wasn't necessarily like, Oh, he's super famous in Santa Monica. And I know Vinnie would be really pissed if he was listening to this. Right? <laughs> like, come again. But like, that was kind of like Sean Korn. I mean, she probably, her star was already a little bit bigger, but Sean had started to do like Nike ads and, you know, stuff that was tipping into the mainstream. And then our generation did tip into the mainstream and started getting way more publicity. I feel like yoga was just being, you would see it in more mainstream magazines. And then Instagram came and that altered everything again. And then we... I can't completely complain because obviously the rise yeah. was incredibly helpful for me and my reach. Me too. Yeah. I get my ego really pipes up when people are like, oh, so you're Insta famous. I was like, teacher, where long before Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, 
I was doing this before. <laughs> You're yeah, not I'm just like, no, 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 no. I'm not an influencer. I am a yoga teacher. Wait, and tell everyone your Instagram right now so that if they want to look while we're talking. Well, you're right. If you would like to scroll, it's Catherine. Yeah. So it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-B-U-D-I-G. But the, the really big change was COVID when everything shut down, especially here in Charleston. Almost all of my favorite yoga studios didn't make it. They took such a hard hit and they just couldn't financially reopen their doors again. So even the the landscape of studios here in Charleston is completely different. And the studios that did survive were not so yoga focused. They were more athletic, like like move your body, sweat, lose weight kind of thing. Which doesn't surprise me. We have that theme over here too, by the way. FYI. yeah, It's more like worship your body Mm -hmm. kind of workouts, like spiritually, like spirituality light, spirituality 101 kind of Mm -hmm. energy. But I'm starting to see more, more of that kind of like mom and pop, mom and mom, pop and pop style shop pop up again starting to open yeah yeah like one just opened close by timmy howard i don't know if you remember that name she came up a little bit earlier than us but i went and took her class and i was like oh my gosh it feels like the old days you know it feels like oh recently you took her class yeah here in charleston she has a studio so i class and it's reminiscent of like the yoga works classes that we used to take awesome and that old school style that is difficult to find yeah i just find that a lot of the kind of teachers who became who they are through social media and not necessarily through the guidance of a senior teacher. It's just, they're very beautiful. I think they're very, they can create sequences that are fun to watch and fluid and elegant and all of that, but it doesn't quite translate to holding a room and being in the seat of the teacher. Like when Annie Carpenter walks into a room or when Mati would walk into the room and be like, shut the book up, listen. (laughs) It's like, mama is here. (laughs) For sure. Ready to receive. And yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, that's well-spoken. It's well, it's. People are as eager to learn. I've noticed there's less thirst for lineage and knowledge. Although I do think post 2020, uh, there's also, I I feel that yoga has become way more inclusive, at least online, Mm -hmm. way more diverse. I've Uh, seen that. And, and that's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Huge. Huge. Yeah. You know, because it's such a whitewashed thing here. Yeah. Yeah. America. So it's nice to see just way more diversity and and education and DEI and all of that happening. So that's been huge. Uh, however, I just can't see how it's transferring into, at least here, I'm not seeing it here, you know? Yeah, no, no, I'm seeing this current theme in a lot of places. Uh, yeah, for sure. No, I totally get it. I do think that one thing, if I was going to say to top this, what we're talking is just think about the the classes as longevity and safety. Also, you can make it fun and interesting, like you were saying, but also I think when you are in a room with with real humans and human bodies, it's so important to also not just keep it safe, but I want to know, like, I don't want my first posture to be Hanumasana, like you were saying in the beginning, (laughs) or a deep twist, like just that intelligent sequencing, if we can preserve that, 
do all of these things, but just preserve that intelligence sequencing. That's really going to, that's really sort of so juicy. And then, and just have some, just honoring the the lineage. It's important. And the teachers that have come before you. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be forgotten. So how, tell us about your books now. I want to shift a little bit. So you have, I know about the first one I want to talk about, and I think you're either working or finished the second one. I don't know, but I'll ask you. So let's talk about the first one. So what's, um, yeah, I, I have well, the name so of old. the first one was old. why so old. The Aim. very first book I wrote. So Aim True was actually my second book. Oh, okay. Book. I thought, okay. Yeah, that that was my second book. My first book was when I worked for Women's Health magazine, and it was the Women's Health Big Book of Yoga. They would they did all these big book of Pilates, big book of yoga, big book of exercises, and I wrote them mm-hmm. yoga. Cool. Yeah, and then you had Aim True. Change a lot. If I could go back and rewrite it, I would <laughs> change a lot. Because <laughs> you've always loved writing. Yes. Yes. I mean, I I remember even way back, you've yes. always loved writing. Like little it, things you would write. It has been a progression. And I, I actually wrote a novel in 2019 and submitted it for a while without success. And now I'm working on another novel. I'm just like moving. I would like to go into fiction writing. Okay. Staying with, and, and that's part of like the Inky Phoenix, which is my book club, which has evolved into um, an imprint. We're publishing books. We're about to start. Oh, Wow. So, storytelling, I've really allowed myself to lean into my love of storytelling. You know, I've always been a teacher and I've been putting that into my classes, like with Aim True and with Greek mythology and Artemis, who inspired Aim True. Like, I've already been putting that into my teaching for a long time. And once I launched House of Phoenix, I was like full on, like, I do classes called Moving Mythology every Sunday. It's an entire class based on a myth from around the world. I do classes based on books from my book club, like story, story, story. I'm allowing myself to write stories and then moving. Do you love that? Are you loving this? So much. It's, I mean, it it is an astronomical amount of work. And every time I know I have a moving mythology due, I'm like, because, you know, I have to find the myth, research the myth, rewrite the myth, and then put it on the map in some shape. Yeah. But they are so rewarding. They're my prized offering. Like I'm, it's my proudest offering that I have on House of Phoenix. M- maybe next to the Moon Rituals because magic. When did you start House of Phoenix? I started it in was it twenty twenty? Yeah, August of no twenty twenty one. August of twenty twenty one. Okay, and what made you decide to do that? I had left Glow and. Um, honestly, the impetus was I needed a paycheck, you know, I mean, I wasn't traveling anymore and I wasn't working for the platform I had worked for 10 years. So I was like, okay, how am I going to work? And um, I mean, part of the reason I'm asking, because you have all these different passions, right? Yes. And then it feels and like you're bringing them all together. To build my house because Sean Korn was the one who's like, hey, because it's hosted by this uh, business called Union Fit. And Sean had been teaching on Union Fit. And Sean was like, look, if you're leaving Glow, come here. They're like, you can create your own thing and it's great. So I took a look at it. It looked great. And I said, yes. And I thought I was just going to offer like a couple yoga classes a month, right? Just start simple. But in true Catherine fashion, I was like, 
Okay. I think we're going to do two yoga classes and then there'll be a story class and then we need to have a recipe and then we need to have moon rituals and then we need to have professors and we, (laughs) I'm like out of control. And so it, it became an actual house and Mm I struggle with what to call it because it's sure you could call it a yoga platform, but it's a community platform is how Mm -hmm. I Well, you have a lot more than just yoga there. You have the book club. You have a lot of different things. Part of it is yoga, for sure. Okay. Okay. Always, always be yoga. I go live every week teaching classes, and I have other amazing teachers who go live every week teaching yoga or movement modality. And, but it's, that's what I mean. Like yoga, it it has infiltrated everything and just... Mm -hmm giving me permission to lean into different aspects of myself. And Phoenix was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to do me. I'm not going to follow the trends. I'm not going to try to create. And and what's the website if people want to look into it as we're here? If they go to the easiest way would be to go to the house of Phoenix.com and it's H A U S like the old dramatic spelling. Oh, okay. Storytelling spelling. (laughs) And I'll I'll include all of that on show notes too, but I know sometimes just listening, we want to get it. So yeah, that sounds really cool. And people can become a member of it. Yes. And girl, I'm going to get you hooked up with the past so you can play. Good. Yay. Thank (laughs) you. I love that. I love that. And so do you have a a library of classes too that like, so when I get my bag, I'm going to go practice. So we've got a huge replay library plus live content every single week and all the live classes go into the replay library. So you can some people love the live experience because I open, we open class 10 minutes early. There's a chat box so we can all be like, Hey, what's going on? And then you like catch yeah. up with the community or if you can never make it live, like the replay library is there and you can take yeah. it. If you want to. So, I mean, you are, you're still like super busy. It's, but, but it sounds like your life has I shifted. Like to be busy. I just, yeah. I, I'm just a creative and it's what my brain does. And even when I want to take a break, my brain's like, Oh, what about bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now and you it, have a, yeah. you have a place that you can express yourself. Exactly. In. Yeah. And it's so, mine. But I it's love yours. That. I love that for you. Yeah. You know, no editing, so, just I can do what I believe in and put it out into the world. And I love that. Yeah. And yet not life has shifted for you too, because you are in your house. I mean, I'm talking to you now, I'm seeing your beautiful house and you have your wife and you guys have what, two dogs or one dog? We had two dogs. They both passed at the end of last year, but oh. we, we adopted a puppy in May. His name is Ragnar. He's a little pug mutt that we adopted in Gardena. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and I saw the little puppy. Really cute. So cute. <laughs> and so this next phase of your life, what are you kind of into? Like, do you, are you like enjoying your home and you just yes. want to be with your wife, spend more time with her quality time? Like, it has is, shifted right from someone who was traveling so much and just so, and now it's like, are you, re, are you enjoying this new phase? Oh my gosh. I love it. I mean, to have someone that I love living life with and that I love being home with, my, I mean, Kate and Ragnar, that's my world. That's my family. And as long as we have each other, we're good. We just bought him a little travel backpack just so oh, we, we got back from travel. Cute. Like we'll never leave him again. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, we still, I, I obviously still love travel and yeah. the places that yeah. I want to go. I think I just saw it was on maybe our Instagram. You guys were in Europe 
Yeah, we went to Corsica and we were in Southern Italy and it was great. But, you know, it was an eight day trip and eight days is a long time for me now. (laughs) Okay, it's really pretty. However, (laughs) so in your town, you guys go out to eat and you love cooking and just kind of. Yeah, really. Always and the food here is like Charleston's famous for its food and wine beverage. Like the restaurants are bonkers here. So after this, actually, we're going to go downtown. We're going to go by, have a little bite to eat. There's a little minor league baseball game. My mom is there. We're going to go meet up with my oh. mom. Oh, she game. lives there too. That Yeah, because I remember you were from that area. That's what I thought when you told me that you were living there. So, okay. So how long have you been with, with your wife? We've been together for eight years. Wow. Oh, Catherine. Wow. I didn't realize that it was married for some reason. And- married this is yeah each of these represents a year of marriage so we will be how is this relationship in your life right now sorry it's great it's i mean we we have a really healthy relationship i mean we bump heads and bicker and get into arguments but we're very communicative with each other so we solve problems quickly and i love that about our relationship is that it's it's real but it's just like we love each other and we don't want to sit in ego and how you can just get reactive if you're in a bad yeah out on the other person like we're pretty good at being like i'm sorry like that was rude but and just trying to hold each other accountable but it's great you guys have a podcast together too I think I saw that. You say that. Um, (laughs) You didn't even. (laughs) Because we are, we've been on a two year hiatus. And when I say two year hiatus, I didn't think we were going to start doing it again. And we decided to relaunch it. And it's relaunching this coming Friday. I'm not sure when people will be listening to it. Tell us about it. Yeah, it will be. uh, (laughs) It's called Free Cookies. It's, It's been through many iterations. We started it out when Kate was at ESPN. So it kind of leaned towards sports in the first season. And then we left the affiliation with ESPN and it just became interesting conversations with people that we found interesting. And then the last season that we had focused on books and we interviewed like all the authors who were picks on the Inky Phoenix and then Mm. educators that were inspired us. So we're as I uh, relaunched this new iteration of Inky Phoenix and Inky Phoenix Press, we were like, you know, let's bring free cookies back because it's a, just a great opportunity to talk with these amazing writers and all things publishing and bookish and and creative. Yeah. So we're back. <laughs> we're That's back. awesome. Well, this yeah. this life seems like you seem like so grounded. You really do. Yeah. I, I do feel grounded. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you can see that. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. So what is, what do you feel like there's something that happened to you this past, I don't know, however many years that's been pretty significant in your life, like a significant change? I mean, what was something that made you mature or something like that? Watching Ashi, my, my little love of my life puggle. She, the, the final year of her life, she had pretty severe dementia. And she was in diapers and uh, it, it was a whole thing. And yeah. so last year. I have one in diapers right now. Okay. Yeah. So you understand. And it's yeah. it's a simultaneously 
so draining. Like we really had horrible sleep for a year, you know, so much was going on. And yet at the same time, it was just an honor. Such an honor. Yeah. No. You and feel that like was, you. Oh God. Like, I mean, you learned was, a lot. Oh my gosh. And losing her and like having the grace to be like, it's time. Like to just be like, I, it was my, oh God, it gets me every single time. But you know, it's like, it's I, my, I was her protector and it was my job to take care of her. And I promised her I would always take care of her. And the second I realized I couldn't make her better and that she was in pain, I was like, it is my job to take this away. And yeah. that is a really hard lesson. And it's hard. I mean, she was like, she was, you know, the way you and I love animals, it's a different yeah, thing. It it's really, it's you. really, yeah, it's really part of, our life they're our family and she was she was like your daughter i used to see her with you all the time every i would think about you and think about her one time we went to like this clothing swap and we and it was like not a clothing swap like it was like some kind of yoga place that it was that went with angela and you and then you were there and then your dog was there too we were like trying outfit like yoga pants and stuff they (laughs) gave us some stuff for like some kind of she was always there angela's house and parties at yoga i mean it was like was. So yeah, it's a big. I totally get it. Totally, God bless. But were there? But it you look at like the cycle of life and death, and and yeah. and how people, beings, animals you love can show up for you in spiritual form, like when they're no longer in their bodies, and being receptive to that form. Yeah energy that connection it's it was an ass kicker but it was just one of the most fruitful spiritual moments of my life yeah thank you for sharing that it's very beautiful (laughs) (laughs) very beautiful so any Mm -hmm. advice for younger teachers that are kind of starting this yoga life yoga world maybe they look up to you or look up to other amazing teachers and they just are like okay some advice. I have so many. Uh, part of the reason I asked this because I have so many graduates from my trains. That's mostly what I do. And I love doing my teacher training so much. And I try my best to honor the lineage and my teachers and, you know, really kind of just, I'd say, move past forward all that was given to me, you know. And, and I see beautiful yogis graduating and going into the world. And I think that they would really appreciate if you can give them uh, yeah, I some think- advice. I think number one is always stay curious, take classes from as many different teachers from as many different backgrounds as possible, because there's always something to learn. And even if you think, you know, you love vinyasa, you know, you love Iyengar, whatever it might be, like, just keep trying all of these different modalities. And if you ever have the opportunity to practice with a senior teacher, grab it, take it, it will infuse your teaching in such a beautiful way. And you can take what works and leave what doesn't work for you and find your own voice. And also understand that finding your voice takes a really long time. For years, you may simply emulate your teacher, your mentor, and that's totally fine. But give yourself permission to know that you have the power inside of you to be that teacher that someone else will look up to and try not to shy away from that. However, (laughs) don't get your nose stuck on social media. I would try to avoid watching. 
I mean, if there are people that inspire you, that's great. If there's someone that you're learning from, an educator perhaps that you're watching online, I think that's wonderful. But it's way more fruitful to get out into the world and to actually be in a room with people and to have these in-person experiences. Because if you want to teach, like you also want to be a student in person too. And I understand that that's not accessible for everyone. So whenever you can. And if it is more accessible for you to be practicing online, that's a wonderful resource, of course. And I think you should use that. But lean into your community. Be patient. It's really great to be a beginner and you only get to be a beginner once. So even if you feel frustrated and you feel like you're not far enough along, trust me, that's going to be a thing in the past. before you. <laughs> so just try to show up and stay open and curious. That's truly the best you can do. Open and curious to everyone's experiences and knowing that everyone has a different body that they're in and a different background and don't assume your way is the way just like observe be a keen observer yes that's beautiful thank you and last question what are you looking forward to what's what's what is your you know is there anything that you're like really looking forward to or more of this or you know what's I I mean I love my house I love these students so much so I just look forward to being with them and I'm so excited about Inky Phoenix Press and I'm so excited to find the book we're going to publish and and to to, to like bring a, a new author or maybe someone who's already published into the world I just oh I'm so excited about it I am so deeply excited to be part of that process and to just help make the publishing world more equitable for people. Yes. Well, thank you for doing that. Thank you for everything that you do. And also for being so open with your sharings about, you know, yoga and teachings in your life and how things sometimes are not linear, but progression is always there and evolving. And I think that you show that in a beautiful way that the, you embrace evolution. I see that. And it's just a that makes me want to cry. It's a really beautiful thing. <laughs> I know, because it's like, oh, I love that. It's like, you know, it's like you're really living your yoga, and that's really beautiful. And I'm, I'm just so happy for you. Thank you that's so right. much for coming well, here. I'm going to find you in New Orleans soon, so watch out. Watch oh, out. please, please. I told you. you, I got many goodies here to show you and Kate. Many things. The river, the horses, like wanna, the, uh, the, the restaurants that you love. Um, yeah, and then you know, I've got a studio space that's incredible. It's really beautiful. So where can people find you? Uh, Catherine, what's like I know we've mentioned already a few places, but where would be a good place for them to first uh try to reach out? The best so Catherine uh-huh. is Ragnar. Hello, I'm Ragnar. Hello, uh, hello. Why did you say it got cut a little bit? Um, so Catherinebutig.com, people can go okay. there. Um the house of phoenix haus.com or the inkyphoenix.com and if you just go to my instagram it's at katherine butig k a t h r y n b u d i g that has all the handles for inky phoenix and house of phoenix and links so if people like to go through social they can do that well thank you i love you love you it's so good to see you thank so you thank seriously you. i really Me want to too. connect with soon let's make that happen Thank you for listening to Life on Earth podcast. Follow the show and share this episode. Sending you lots of love.